The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson on a Friday. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. Hope you're being safe. Hope you didn't have to travel through the canyons much earlier today. We know there were some accidents in Sardine. Logan Canyon was shut down for a while, open for a little bit, then shut down again. Avalanche up there, so uh, nobody hurt from what we understand, but is causing issues. So if you had plans to go up to Beaver Mountain tonight or Garden City, Bear Lake area tonight, it might be a while. So I want to change your plans. Uh, other things that are going on that you might want to check out. Instead, Utah Jazz are in action tonight. It's a late game. It's an 8.30 tip-off against the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they've been moving up uh, in the rankings and in the standings. Uh, of course, a lot of that's because of the way Damian Lillard has been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. So, And the Jazz, meanwhile, they've lost five in a row. So what's going to give? Uh, that will be at 8.30. But because we've got some high school basketball happening earlier this evening, we won't have that jazz game here on the fan, unfortunately. But it will be on ESPN, so you can watch it there. Uh, we've got uh, a full slate of high school games on our group of radio stations going on tonight here on the Cash Valley Media Network uh, and our family of radio stations. If you want to see the full schedule, you can go to cashvalleydaily.com. Click on the menu, the drop-down menu there is where it says Sports local prep sports, and you'll see the link to local high school basketball schedule. So tonight in region play, uh, Bear River is uh, at, at home. They're hosting um, uh, Mountain Crest this evening. Skyview, they're at Ridgeline. Really, that is, that's the game of the night for region play. The number one and number two teams facing each other. Last night in girls play, uh, the Skyview Bobcats upset Ridgeline, who had yet to lose a game. In region play, so can can Ridgeline return the favor and do this something similar to Skyview tonight for the boys? So anyway, that's what's going on. We'll have that here on the fan. Uh, Dave Simmons will be doing the play-by-play for uh, that one. Uh, Logan is going to be hosting Green Canyon uh, tonight, and uh, and you can hear that on KVNU six ten a.m. one hundred two point one FM and on one hundred point nine. Al Lewis will be on the call uh, for that one. And then you've got uh, Mountain Crest, as we mentioned, will be at Bear River uh, to round out uh, the rest of what's going on in Region 11 play. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll have photo galleries and updates uh, later this evening on CashValleyDaily.com if you missed any of those uh, scores. Uh, It's been a fun week that we've had catching up with former Aggies. We've talked to Troy Roll. We've talked to Roddy Anderson. Uh, we talked to Tyler Newbold, to Gary Wilkinson, Spencer Nelson. We just spoke to Marcus Saxon last hour. Um, all those interviews are available online at 1069thefan.com. And really, a lot of it leads up to what's going on uh, tomorrow. And it's a, a big opportunity for a number of reasons to be in the spectrum. Uh, USU is going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the spectrum. They're going to recognize Wayne Estes 55 years to the day that he became the first Aggie in program history to, to pass that 2,000-point mark. Uh, then he tragically died later that evening. 
Uh, also, the team is going to recognize and honor Liddell Anderson, a former basketball coach and former athletic director who passed away just a few months ago. Um, so uh, then also, they're going to be recognizing a couple different teams. They'll recognize the 1979-1980 squad, 1994-1995 team, the 99-2000 team, and the 09-10 team. Uh, so we've been able to talk to several different players that participated in those games and uh, participated in those, uh, those great seasons over that time. And uh, you can go back to our website and to hear some of those uh, interviews. And it's been a lot of fun catching up with them. So, um, oh, by the way, just just got this note. Just want to pass this along. Breaking. Uh, the Utah Highway Patrol is allowing traffic back into Logan Canyon. So the, can- the highway was just reopened, Highway 89, uh, through Logan Canyon has now just been reopened. Just barely got that word. But just after I say, don't go through the canyon, now I guess you can't. So it has been reopened. There was an avalanche earlier. They were able to clear it. Uh, There's been some pretty wet, gnarly conditions up there. But uh, they've got it all cleared out, and the canyon has been reopened. All right. uh, Earlier this week, AJ was able to catch up with Stu Morrill. I was sick that I wasn't able to participate in that interview. There are other things that were at play that I was unable to be there or participate in the interview. But it was so much fun and so much content that we've broken it up into two parts. Uh, this is great stuff from Stu Morrill. His recollections at Utah State, some great memories, fond memories of former players, venues, and games. Uh, some and Interesting to see what the, he thinks that the game that got away and uh, some of his memories about playing and coaching, or excuse me, coaching at uh, Utah State and uh, what it meant to be on the sidelines for the Aggies. So uh, the, the first of two segments here was Stu Morrill finding out about uh, his time at Utah State, and he should be, from what we understand, going to be one of those uh, great people in attendance on Saturday night when Utah State takes on Boise State. Again, it tips off at 8 o'clock, but if you're not able to be there, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. So here it is, Ajay's conversation with Stu Morrill. Former great coach of the Utah State Aggies, one of the best to ever do it, to stay on the sideline. It's Stu Morrill here joining us on the Full Court Press. Before, I guess, when you first started coaching at Utah State to the end, former players have said that you actually mellowed out a lot towards the end. Is that true? And if so, why is that? Oh, I think it's true. And I think uh, I think the nature of, of kids nowadays was part of it. Um, you know, you're diff- dealing with a... Uh, a different type of young man, not better, not worse, but just different in terms of of how they want to be approached and how much coaching they will take. And coaching uh, has to be in the right form, I think, for the modern day player. And and I think also is a process of you know aging and uh, having coached for a long time and and all of that that kind of went into it. Uh, you get a little older, and <laughs> I guess you gain a little perspective, but. I always thought Utah State would be my last job. I had coached it, as you know, I head coach at Montana and at Colorado State. And when I came to Utah State, I said this will probably be my last coaching job, and and didn't know that I would go as long as I did. Uh, Seventeen years was was a lot of fun, and and you know, a long time to be at one school nowadays. So I feel very fortunate to to have had the career 
that I had, and, and it is really, uh, you know, a lot of credit. Most of the credit should go to all the good players I had. Um, and, and to walk away from coaching on your own is really hard to do anymore, and, and that's something I wanted to do and have it be my decision. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's never anything but good feelings about Utah State. Coach, when you decided to, or when you stepped down, when did you make that decision? Was that before the year started? Was that in the middle of the year? And how did that all come about? You know, I announced it in, in early January. We'd actually won at Boise State. Uh, David Collette hit a shot at the buzzer, yep, and, absolutely. and we won we won that game, and I was really glad that, that I was announcing it after a win, uh, so so some people didn't think that I was just uh, tired of it all, depressed that we lost, that kind of thing, but <laughs> I I had been thinking about it all for, you know, for a year or two as to the timing and when I might want to want to do, uh, do the announcement, and I just felt like it was good for everybody uh, if I let it be known early that this was going to be my last season, and and for me, it uh, it just made a lot of sense. And some people thought it was shouldn't have been done till the end of the year. But uh, you know, as as the old song says, sometimes you get to do it my way, and and that's uh, that's what I was able to do. Did your players know before the season, or did they not know until you announced it? You know, that's one thing I <laughs> I regret. As you uh, as you have alluded to off air, I'm not the most technological savvy guy in, in, in America. And, and uh, so I planned on telling my players before practice, before, you know, before it was really out there. And uh, it got out that morning and, you know, they were a little perturbed that I hadn't told them because uh, we'd, uh, you know, we had already moved ahead on it. And I explained to them what had happened and they were great about it. But yeah, it's, it's not something that you want to, you want to put out there too early. You just you just want to do it when you're going to do it. What's retirement life like now for you? What is Coach Morrill doing? I mean, you rock climbing? Or are you? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> People ask me all the time. You know, what are you what are you doing in retirement? And I just look at them, and most times I say this, Ajay. I say I'm doing whatever I want, <laughs> and that's the freedom of retirement. You you know, you can get up every day and plan your day or not plan your day and, and uh, decide what you're going to do. The reason we moved back to Colorado was three of my four kids are here and we're about to have our 11th grandchild and nine of 11 are in this area. So it just made sense. We stayed in Logan. We love Logan. We stayed there for three years after I retired. And uh, then it just made sense that uh, we moved back here and we're enjoying it. It's a it's a nice place to live. It helped that we had lived here before. Uh, are you? Do you visit Utah often back, or are you you stay in Colorado for the most part? We get there, you know, a few times a year if if things go right. Uh, for one thing, we have a son in Montana, our fourth child, and it just makes sense to go through Logan and see some people on the stay there for a night or two on our way to Montana. So that usually happens a couple times a year, and. Uh, you know, and wh- whatever brings us back, we're hoping to be here for the reunion this weekend, weather permitting. And I stress that because I don't, I don't, uh, at this stage of the game, uh, driving through Wyoming and risk of my life doesn't make a lot of oh, sense. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. So, and I've done it enough times that I know exactly how it can be. So we'll, we'll see what the roads look like, but we're hoping to get there and, and be part of the, you know, the reunion of four, as I understand it, four championship teams and yep. 
two of them were uh, were ones I coached, and it would be fun to. I don't know how many of those kids are coming back, but whoever does, it'd be awesome to see them. Well, let's get to there. 1999-2000 is one of those teams, and uh, this was a very, very good basketball team. And again, TNCAA tournament loses to uh, Connecticut. What do you most remember about the season? In fact, I, if I remember right, didn't you guys play a nationally ranked Florida team and barely lose? Is this is this the same year? Yeah, we were. I, I think uh, we were in Maui playing in that team in that tournament. You know, and it was a who's who of college basketball, and we were kind of the the late add to that event and I you know, I made I, I made the comment in the in the press room in the news conference before the tournament that all these teams have McDonalds all Americans and I got a few guys that have been to McDonalds. Um and you know, they, people <laughs> people got a kick out of that. But our guys played great. It helped uh spur us on to the rest of the season. Uh we had a shot at the at the buzzer to tie or, or beat Florida, didn't make it. They were, I think, fourth in the country at the time. Uh, you know, and then and we won two out of three there and came home and eventually got on a, a long winning streak. And, um, you know, we had taken about seven new guys that season, and so we didn't really know what to expect. And they were just great kids that blended well and wanted to be coached and wanted to get better and, you know, uh, and it all worked out. We had had a had a fun season, and anytime you win a championships a championship, it is a special deal for sure. There's something about you and winning streaks in conference play that just, I mean, blew my mind. This one here, you won 16 straight. You go to the Big West tournament, you dispose of Pacific pretty easily. You get by Nevada by five, and then New Mexico State. And by the way, you know, people forget how good New Mexico State was back when you were on the sideline. And they played against you guys. They always brought their best when it was a versus the uh, Utah State Aggies. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, as I recall, as we were, you know, we were playing that tournament uh, in in Reno. <laughs> you know, so uh, we're playing Reno, and we have to play Nevada on their floor, basically. And and I remember the last night when we're playing New Mexico State is they they were very good. You're right about that. But I remember asking the commissioner. We were nationally ranked. Uh, we had won 18 in a row in league games, and we we're playing our 19th. I said, "Now, do we have to win this game to be in the tournament, or are we, are we in?" And he goes, "Oh, no, no, you're in. Don't worry about it." So I went in and told my team to relax. Uh, don't feel a lot of pressure. Let's go. Let's go play and have fun. And and we did just that, and we won the game. And the next day, we were a 12 seed, which told me we were not in had we not won that game. Um, you know, and it was probably presumptuous when we were in the Big West at that time to to think we would be in. But when you're nationally ranked and you have that kind of winning streak, you kind of think you might be. But we wouldn't have been, and a credit to those guys that we were able to win our 19th straight and and go on and face the returning national champion, the defending national champion, I should say, in Connecticut. They had that point guard, right? El Mead or something like that. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was really really good. They had a they had a good team. I think we lost by eight, but we were, yep. uh, you know, we were in the game. And and uh, I remember Jim Calhoun to me saying to me afterwards, is you know, there's really there's really no difference. I just got better players than you, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> thing to say. Uh, but I think he was trying to give a compliment as best he could, uh, you know. And, <laughs> and it was, you know, it's funny what you remember, but that one stuck with me a little bit. 
you guys had quite the roster, actually. I mean, you had Troy Roll, who was a senior at the time. Tony Brown, we all know who Tony Brown is and was. Sean Dan, and, and a lot of this roster came back to help you guys the following season. And, Coach, that was a special season for a lot of reasons. Obviously, the main one, you guys ended up uh, getting by Ohio State in the first round uh, of the NCAA tournament. But you also, uh, against Utah, beat them by one. And at, at home, what do you remember about that game? We had Utah's... Uh I, I don't want to say we had their number, but we had we had some really special games against Utah, and it was one of those. I mean, uh, I, I think during my time we we ended up nine and five against Utah, or something of that nature. It might have been eight and five. I'm not sure, but something around there. And uh, you know the the value of those in-state games. Everybody knows how important they are. And I just remember that it was a knockdown drag of, out affair, and. You know, lots of emotion, lots of things happened. And, you know, I actually remember the one my first year, even even uh, better, they were they were ranked in the top ten in the country, and, and we were not very good. We were 14 and 13 or something like that my first year. And and, and Tyrone Alec hit his only three of the year, and we, we won the game. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, you remember a lot of things about those different teams. And the following year, you're right, when we beat Ohio State, that was – that was very special. It's been a been a long time since Utah State. I think uh, thirty one years since Utah State won a tournament game, yeah. and and unfortunately the years are starting to add up again since we won a tournament uh, tournament game. And you know certainly hopeful that 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 happens soon. And and some of the great teams that Craig's got and had last year and this year, and you know it's uh, it's it's a it's a strong thing when you get to the NC two A tournament to. You know, because sometimes you don't get the very good seed, and it makes it very difficult. Coach, I, I think people forget this a lot, but <laughs> uh, after Tony Brown hit that floater to uh, get you guys in overtime, before the overtime, Ohio State had an inbounds pass that got over Sean Daniels, and the guy nearly banked it in from, like, half court. I'd be like, people forget about that play, how close you guys were to losing on a buzzer shot from half court to Ohio State. That was a heck of a game, you know. uh <laughs> Sean Daniels, he's a player that, in, because he was a junior college player, uh, sometimes I'm not sure he gets the recognition he deserves. I mean, he was a fabulous player for us, and and in my mind should be in the Utah State Hall of Fame. And I'm hoping he'll return to this reunion. I'd love to see him. It's been it's been a long, long time. But, um, you know, he was instrumental in winning that game. He, that might have been the game where I asked him afterwards, why, what the heck was the deal with the bank free throw? And, <laughs> and he said, Coach, I wasn't going to shoot an air ball on national TV. <laughs> he was he, he was not a great free throw shooter. but And, you know, it's interesting because only in Utah would this probably happen, but I, I made the comment after the game that, that Tony Brown uh, made a great city league move with the triple pump fake. Before oh, the church it. ball move, I think, is what you had called it. No, I didn't. I called it a city league move. Oh, you did call Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the funny thing to me is that everybody turned that into a church league move, uh, which, which either one works. But I, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the the strong face there in Utah and the the influence of that, it was funny how that that somehow turned into that statement. But what a great shot by Tony at the time. What did you remember about Tony Brown? Obviously, a local kid at Mountain Crest had a great career there. You guys get him there. What was the recruitment process like to bring him to Utah State and his career like as uh, as a coach of him? 
You know, Larry, you Stacy recruited him, so oh, okay. you know, I always thanked Larry for that one. Tony was a, <laughs> a freshman when when we got there, and uh, you know, we just I went to his Hall of Fame induction a couple of years ago, and I, we were still living in Utah at the time, and and was just so proud of him. And some of his teammates came back, and you know, just a special kid. The fact that he was local and had such a great career, uh, you know, made it extra special, but. You know, I I always gave Tony a bad time about his ability or inability to play defense. Uh, you know, he but he got better and better and was just a real student of the game and figured out how to be an all-around player and and just you know figured real prominently in those teams doing so well during that time period. Head coach or former head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Stu Morrill joining us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Coach, we look at the 2009-2010 team that will be honored as well on uh, this Saturday night against Boise State. This team also had a winning streak. It was in the WAC. It was 15 games, which included wins over uh, Wichita State as well. Uh, what do you remember about this season and about this team? You know, that that was when we had, we had changed leagues a couple times during my coaching career, and one of the adages in coaching is, you know, when when your school decides to move up in in terms of a a league move, you should probably try and find another job because <laughs> <laughs> oftentimes that leads to the to the head coach being terminated because it, it's an adjustment anytime you step up a league. And we did it a couple times while I was coaching. Uh, actually, from the Big West to the to the WAC, and uh, from the WAC to the Mountain West, of course. And you know that the time frame with that oh nine. 10 team and you know, we won four straight whack championships and that is something that will always be really special to me one of them we tied for the first one but we won the next three outright we went to three straight nc2a tournaments and anytime you can in any league you're in you can win four straight championships you have awfully good players awfully fond memories and uh, the whack at that time was was very good a lot of the current mountain west teams were were in the league. Uh, San Diego State was not, but the, almost all the the rest were in the whack at that time. So, you know, I just those teams get bunched together in my mind because you know those kids were a lot of those kids were on three of those teams, and um, you know we just had a great run. I I, met, I do specifically remember the game against Wichita State because um, they were nationally ranked, and, and we right. got them in we got them in bracket buster. In the spectrum, and you talk about a crazy atmosphere, and uh, one of one of the all-time fun games that we're able to win. And you know, we had uh, during my coaching career, we had two at-large berths to the NC2A tournament. And people understand how hard it is to get in that large berth. And uh, one of those teams lost to New Mexico State in the tournament and in the conference tournament, and still got into the NC2A tournament. So. You know, all of those teams during that time period where where we were able to win the WAC uh, four straight times, they were very highly thought of and nationally. And and uh, you know, it'll be I hope to be there to see some of these uh, kids were, that were on that team. Yeah, what did you think about the bracket buster? Were you a fan of those things? I was not, and should have been. Um, you know, it it ended up being something that really helped us uh, as people who follow basketball know it's really hard to get home games especially if you've had success and you're a mid-major uh, and bracket buster allowed us to
to have some good teams come play in the spectrum and was very instrumental in helping us get in a large berth, uh, I think two times. So, um, you know, it's, it, uh, and it, you know, some of those, some of those games you go play on the road or the return game, you go play on the road, uh, you know, going into Wichita, wasn't all that fun. Uh, although we played well and lost and, you know, some of the uh, places we had to return games, but the event I thought was really good for mid-major schools. Wow. This is some great, great stuff from Sue Morrill. With more to come here on the Full Court Press, stick around. We've got the second part of this interview uh, where he talks a little bit more about his memories of Utah State. Man, there's a wealth of experience and, and knowledge and great stories there coming out of Sue Morrill. So more from him to come. We'll also hear from Craig Smith about Utah State and Boise State. We'll break down the very important matchup in the Mountain West coming up on Saturday night. Stick around. More to come here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson, Full Court Press continues. Great stuff here from Stu Morrill as part of our Aggie Legends Week here on the Full Court Press. As a reminder, coming up tomorrow, tomorrow night, Utah State will be recognizing four different conference championship teams. The 97, excuse me, the 79 and 80 team, 94-95 squad, 99-2000 and 2009-2010 teams. Uh, Utah State is also going to have a special spotlight on Wayne Estes as Saturday will mark the 55th anniversary of him surpassing the 2,000-point mark, and then he was tragically killed shortly uh, after that, later that evening. And uh, it will also be a celebration of the Spectrum, as it will be a 50th anniversary celebration of the D. Glenn Smith Spectrum Saturday night. Again, the game will be against Boise State Saturday night at 8 o'clock. It will also be shown on CBS Sports Network. Now to part two of Ajay's uh, interview with Stu Morrill here on the Full Court Press. During this season, in fact, almost like in the era of this time, you, you coached some special players. J.C. Carroll is one of those guys. He was not on this squad. He had just graduated, but in comes Jared Quayle. Uh, 6'1", but averages 12.5 points, just over 6 rebounds and 4 assists. That kid was so underrated in Aggie lore because he wasn't J.C. Carroll, and he had just had to come right after him, but was such a special basketball player. And Jared Quayle was a huge part of us winning <laughs> winning championships and going to the NC2A. Uh, funny story how we how we got Jared. Uh, he was a local kid that nobody really offered him a, a Division One scholarship, uh, you know. And and he went to junior college. And my guys, my assistants, had seen him a lot in the summers. He'd come over and play with our guys, and you know he's tearing it up in junior college. And and uh, I told one of my assistants, you need to go see him and he came in and he said you know i can see him or this other kid and, and i've also already seen jared and you know he's not quite good enough coach and i want to go see this other kid and i said no 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 you're going and seeing jared quayle the local guy let's make sure and he was sitting in my office the next morning when i arrived about 8 a.m and and he had kind of a sheepish look on his face and he said coach you were right that kid's really good <laughs> so you know, sometimes you get fortunate in in the decisions you make. And Jared, of course, had followed Utah State basketball as a as a little guy and and wanted to be an Aggie. And it was a 
one of those easy recruits that you get. A lot of times recruiting is really, really hard, but then you have the Jared Quails or the Nate Harris's of the world. Nate Harris just, when I explained everything to him, he says, yeah, okay, I want to come. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when you get those kind of players that are that good, that were that easy to recruit, uh, and like I say, a lot of times they're local, uh, it's a really fun deal. You know, you've also coached a lot of special big men. You mentioned Nate Harris, Gary Wilkinson, Spencer Nilsson. Ty Wesley became an All-American. You know, uh, I don't know if you ever know how good they're going to be. Gary was an All-American, too, Gary Wilkinson. And, and again, uh, you know, I'm a junior college guy, so you oftentimes hear me sticking up for Sean Daniels or Jared Quayle or Gary Wilkinson because it's harder for them to get uh, sometimes the recognition from the school when they're all said and done because they were only here for two years. And, um, you know, where whereas Ty Wesley was a starter for all four years and was originally slated to go to BYU, but they kind of dropped the ball on the way they handled that. And uh, we had we had told them exactly what we were we were going to do and uh, before his mission redshirt and all those kind of things. And you know, my my uh, one of my best buddies growing up was the high school coach for Ty Wesley, and he was always trying to get us a player at Provo High School, Craig Drury, uh, the all time winner in state championships in the state of Utah. And, a great high school coach, and we kept losing him, of course, most often to BYU, but uh, he really helped us get Ty Wesley, and, and thank goodness, because his career was just outstanding, and he's still playing, you know, yeah. as, is, as is J.C. Carroll, and, you know, a lot of these kids have gone on to have uh, really good careers playing professionally after after playing at Utah State. Uh, J.C. Carroll has uh, said that he's going to be retiring after the uh, season is over. What do you remember about J.C. Carroll? Uh, what made him such an elite basketball player in, in your mind? Well, I, I don't know that I've ever had a guy that had a motor like J.C. had. I mean, I, the, the guy never got tired. I always tell the story. He came back off his mission, and uh, we always run the, the Aggie Mile to, to time guys, see what kind of shape they're in, and... and <laughs> You know, usually missionaries are at the back of the pack because they haven't been able to work out for two years. And J.C. ran a four-something mile. Uh, it, it was incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I remember him as a player just – I never took him out for being tired. I took him out if he got a little flustered, which he didn't do very often. And especially his junior and senior year, he hardly came out of the game. But what a, what a quick release, uh, you know, an unbelievable – shooter, uh, as good a guard rebounder as, as I ever had. Uh, like Tony a little bit, he had to get better defensively, but, uh, you know, I mean, he, he averaged 22 points his senior year and just had a fabulous career and great athlete. And a lot of people missed on him, and we were fortunate he ended up at uh, Utah State. Coach Morrill joining us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Coach, I hate to ask you this, as many successful seasons as you had here at Utah State, you had so many heartbreaking losses in the NCAA tournament. Is there one that stands out to you that you really want back so badly? Yes. Uh, the one that will always haunt me that I still have nightmares about is Marquette. Oh. Uh, we were playing in, in Boise. Um, we, were, we were up in that game in a position to win going down the stretch. And uh, Were you shot. up six with like a minute left or two minutes yes, left? What was it, was it? Like, it was like two minutes yeah. to go. We were up six, and, and uh, we did a good job defensively. They shoot an air ball, 
had it hit the rim, would have probably rebounded it and had a chance to go up eight and run some clock. Instead, shoot an air ball that grazes the rim, falls in their hands, they score it. Uh, now they're, they're only down four, and they go on to win the game. And, you know, that, that one haunted me. I mean, you know, I sometimes uh, chuckle because a lot of people say, well, uh, and you, and you, get, you know, the longer you coach, the more you're able to block out what, what a lot of people think that want to want to have negative thoughts. But, you know, we lost a lot of games in the NCAA tournament, but we were playing the who's who of college basketball. Yep. You know, we were a 15 seed or we were a 12 seed. 12 seed, we always had a chance. I think we were actually an 11 seed when we played Marquette. Uh, and the, we were a 12 seed when we beat Ohio State. But we had, you know, we were playing uh, Connecticut, Arizona. It goes on and on. I mean, uh, the teams that, that we play, UCLA, the teams we played in the NC2A tournament. Uh, and I'm not trying to make an excuse. It just is a reality that that made those games, uh, you know, really, really tough games on neutral courts trying to beat, uh, you know, top 10, top 15 teams. We played Kansas right to the wire. That's right. When, when Roy Williams was coaching, and and uh, they went to the national championship right that year and that, lost to Syracuse. They got all the way to yes, yeah, so all the way to the finals that year, and and uh, Troy Roll I think actually had a had a shot to send that game into overtime that that we missed, and um, but it went right right to the wire, and they had a ton of pro players on that team, and so most for most for the most part our guys represented very well. You'd have liked to find a way to win a few more and. And that is always something you'll feel a little bit bad about. But we we did get there eight times, and that's not easy to do. Do you still have a little bit of bitterness toward the committee for always? I just feel like they always screwed you guys on on the seating. You know, the seating thing is you're kind of a victim of of uh, what league you're in and how they view that league, and you know how the other teams in your league do. And you always hear Gonzaga wanting like they wanted BYU in their league. They wanted their league. They challenge the other teams in their league to get better so that they can get, uh, you know, better seeding in the NCAA tournament and so forth. But I don't know if I, I got so used to it that I just shook my head most of the time when, when our seeding would come out. You know, that, uh, that last championship team we had that went to the NCAA tournament, um, I, most people thought that we would be, you know, a, a seven or an eight or, uh, the most of nine, and you know, then again, we we ended up, I believe, at twelve. So it's just the way it was, you know. And uh, when you got to the NC two A tournament, you were dang proud to be there. But it, it quickly changed into let's see if we can if we can get something done this year. And you know, uh, it'll always you'll always feel a little bit bad that we didn't uh, win more games in the tournament. Do you still t- uh, stay in touch with Randy Ray? Yeah, I just saw him the other night. They were. Uh, they were here uh, playing Northern Colorado. Went to dinner with him and went to his game. Unfortunately, they didn't play very well and and lost. But uh, you know, Randy was a long time assistant. I had assistants with me a long, long time, and I always told people, "Well, I let them play golf in the off season. That's the only reason they stay with me." <laughs> but but uh, they, you know, I had uh, Don Verlin a long time. Randy Ray, thirteen years. Don Verlin was like fifteen years. Tim Duryea was. Uh, at least that long, might have been 14, 15 years. So um, I was very fortunate. It gave us great continuity throughout the, the many years we were there. 
I remember because I would always ask you, and I listen on the radio. You would always ask you about <laughs> about Randy Ray, and every time you get emotional and choked up, and just it meant so much. Some of these coaching staff members meant so much to you. Well, you know, you're you're uh, you're in a very competitive profession, and it's uh, a profession where you know they they don't hesitate <laughs> to send you down the road and and bring in a different staff and. Uh, and you get guys that live and die with you day to day, it, and it becomes their program as much as it is your program as a head coach, and that's what you want. And and I had those guys were all very special that way. And you know, Randy, I uh, I hired Randy out of basketball camp here at Colorado State. Uh, the the great Boyd Grant told me, hey, there's a high school coach you might want to go watch if you got a position for him on your staff, and. And I went over and watched his team in camp and watched his enthusiasm and his knowledge. And and obviously that's all proven out. He's been a very, very good head coach as well as all the years of being an assistant. What do you miss most about Utah State basketball at least your time there? You know, I, I think the thing, people always ask me if I miss coaching. And, you know, coaching it was great to us and our family and all that. Uh, but I did it for 40 years, you know, and I was a head coach for 29 years. So the coaching part of it, I was I was ready to, to be done with that. But you miss the camaraderie of, uh, you know, the, the staff, uh, you know, the, the boosters you know and like and trust and, uh, you know, the people in the department and all the coaches you run across throughout the season. Uh, you know, that's that's probably where there's always a, a void when you retire. But uh, – you know, it's retirement. I, I wanted to retire. I was 62, almost 63 when I retired. I wanted to retire with some time left to do some things, and we've been able to do that. Lots of travel, lots of fun, and, and uh, you know, I'm still kicking along okay, so we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> stay above the grass as long as we can. Listening to players talk, they said some of the most best memories with you is when they'd be in the car with you one-on-one, whatever, just you and him, and uh, and you'd have conversations, and they would not ever touch on the topic of basketball. It'd be about them, their life, their family. What was it like developing those relationships with guys like J.C. Carroll and Gary Wilkson and Ty Wesley and Tony Brown? Well, that was, that's, that's the fun part of coaching is if you can make an impact in a kid's life and, and let him know uh, that you care about him. And, and sometimes I was so driven and, and – uh, you know, quite strong personality on the court that uh, I didn't take as much time as maybe I should have. Uh, but I always tried to meet with those kids individually. And like you say, when we could just talk about what they're going to do with their lives. And that's the great thing about having a chance to come back for a reunion is you catch up on people's lives and and uh, you, you realize that, okay, maybe uh, maybe we did make a small difference in in uh, who they are and what they become, and and they have fond memories of of Utah State, and I think for the most part, kids know that that I pushed them really hard, but I uh, I never de- demeaned them personally. I was not into name calling, that kind of thing that uh, was somewhat prevalent at the time. But you know, I, like I say, if I, if I was coaching now, I'd probably have to be a nicer guy than that, <laughs> uh, and and I'm not sure that that uh, that'd be possible when I got in the heat of battle again. So it's probably good that I'm all done. Sam Merrill obviously is chasing J.C. Carroll. 
when you see Sam Merrill, what makes him, in your mind, uh, one of the elite guards in Utah State basketball history? Oh, I love Sam. You know, we recruited Sam. People, uh, and I've been, this is my fifth year out, so people are like, well, how how's that work? And, you know, Sam went on a mission, of course, and I never got to coach Sam because I was done by the time he got back. But uh, Craig's done a great job with him. He had, Sam is special in that he has an unbelievable feel for the game. Uh, you know, we, we compared him to Tony Brown when we were recruiting him, um, you know, and no offense to Tony, but he, he's, he might be above a lot of guys that, that you compare him to, uh, and Tony was a great player, but Sam is just, uh, he's got the perfect temperament for the game. He's skilled. He's tough. You know, he can play the one or the two. He can guard the other team's best player. Uh, I think Sam will have a, have a long career after college. And, you know, I follow Utah State. I watch every game I can and, and uh, love to see him play. They're having a great run. Uh, people sometimes get spoiled and, you know, and they expected the same thing um, this year as last year. And that doesn't always happen, but they're still having a great year. And a lot of, a lot of, I think there's a lot of possibilities ahead this season. And, and I was the biggest, one of their biggest cheerleaders the last couple of years. Who does it better, J.C. Carroll or Sam Merrill? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> does what better? You know. Uh, I, I, well, did, I did mean, you did you ever tell J.C. that he couldn't guard a chair? That was that was actually Tony Brown. I told <laughs> Tony Brown that, and Tony got to where he could guard more than a chair. He became a real good <laughs> defender. I was early in his career, and he never forgot it. Uh, he brought it up at the Hall of Fame induction, which made me chuckle. Uh, you know, J.C. was not a great defender early, but he, again, got better and better as he went along. You know, Sam and J.C., that's a tough comparison because they're, they're both such great players. Uh, you know, Sam might be better at some things. Uh, you know, he might be a better passer, even though J.C. was a good passer. He might, you know, uh, might be a little better defender, whereas J.C. might be the uh, the best shooter I ever coached. Uh, you know, I, I I always say that our plays that worked so well for JC when he was playing the next year didn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he just he came off screens and banged it in, and so I would uh, respectfully avoid trying to name one of those two guys <laughs> better than the other. They're just both uh, very unique, very good. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for your time. I know, I know I told you only you know, 25, 30 minutes. We went well over that, and uh, that's because my, my questions, and I just couldn't get enough of that. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure and honor. Ajay, I appreciate it. You know, it's fun to relive the old days, and, and uh, I hope weather permitting, we're there uh, this upcoming weekend. Look forward to seeing you. Ajay, that was fun. To yeah, to. that was uh, you know, we were just talking off air, uh, Adam, the intern, and yourself and I, and we were, you know, <laughs> we, before we got there, we were like, hey, 15, 20 minutes, you know, and, and I said, absolutely, that's plenty of time from us. And then the questions just kind of kept coming. And at one point, like, I just was so selfish. I wasn't even looking at the clock. I just kept asking questions because I was having a blast with them. We get off and we get done and, uh, you know, we're, we're off and we're recording and whatever. And I said, coach, I apologize. I, I took 35 minutes and... You only told me 15. He said, I had no idea we were at 35. He goes, that felt like 20, at, if that. And, uh, you know, you it, it's cool, Eric. You try not to become a fanboy when you're in the media. and But when you've watched a guy like Stu Morrill walk the sidelines, 
um, and and have as much success as any coach in the country with as small of a program as they had going up the against the who's who, as he said, of the NCAA uh, teams. Like it, my gosh, you're just you're in awe. You really are. You're in awe of him. And you, um, when it was fun hearing just his. His funny jokes and uh, his stories. It, it, yeah, miss miss having him around. I do. Yeah, and great I, coach. He's on his way back. Actually, he in fact he's here in Logan. He uh, from Colorado. He drove and uh, made it back. So he'll be here tomorrow night. Oh, that's to, awesome. To uh, to celebrate the anniversary, or I guess the uh, not the, just not just the anniversary of Wayne Estes and and all, but also to celebrate his two teams that he coached the ninety nine two thousand and two thousand nine ten team. So thanks for taking over the board for me. By the way, I. Uh, Craig's presser ran went late and then ran a little bit longer than we thought, and no, it happens, I guess. So we won't have time to hear Craig Smith in his entirety, but you we'll can break it down it, for us, right? You will share that also on our our website, but uh, you can give us the Cliff Notes sure, version absolutely. on the other side absolutely. of this timeout. Utah State taking on Boise State. It's a big game for a lot of reasons, a lot of uh, fanfare before the game, but there's a very important game that will need to be played. So we'll break that down for you coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Ajay, this has been such a fun week. And, I, and again, I'll, I said it yesterday. I'll say it one more time. Eric, thank you, thank you, thank you so much uh, from my deepest appreciation for letting us do that. Um, you had the opportunity to be able to, uh, to uh, you know, you could have said, you know, we got a lot going on next week, jazz games, high school games, big week in high school, by the way, tonight. And, you know, we could have just said maybe just a couple interviews. But then I said, I want to, I said, can we interview this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And you said, look, you set it up. And we'll make it happen. And I just that means a lot to me from a co standpoint that you would allow it to happen. Well, you're the, you you chase these guys down. That's awesome. That's well, not easy to do. And I'm, I'm no. not going to leave out John Newbold either. He he yeah, helped me true. a lot. I texted him. I said, great "Hey, point. I I need some help. I want to put this project together." And John was so so gracious and so kind in doing that. And I owe a public thank you to John Newbold as well in helping me do so. That was a lot of fun. I um and by the way you can find all of it. In fact, you're gonna hopefully I think you're gonna try and post some on cashvalleydaily.com. Yep. With all the links. And so make sure you go to cashvalleydaily.com. Don't miss it. Eric Franson will post a little summary of the 50 years anniversary and with all the links together of all the guys we've interviewed from Troy Roll to Spencer Nielsen to um to all the way to Stu Morrill and guys in between. And, and a big thank you to them. So So tomorrow Utah State does have a big game. Yeah, that's what we forget. There's a basketball game tomorrow night. Utah State, matters. Boise State, uh, Broncos are playing really well as of late. Uh, Jay, they're um, they're on a bit of a run right now. They've had some close ones. It, it started with their overtime win over Utah State. Uh, they dominated Fresno. They dominated San Jose. Uh, they beat Nevada in a close one. It was closer than it should have been on the road in their last one at Wyoming. Yeah. But um, this is a very dangerous Boise State team coming to the spectrum tomorrow night. You are you're not at all wrong on anything of that. It's it's crazy because with Boise State, they're third, we're fourth. We need this win much more than people think. And and as we were kind of talking about in Craig Smith's presser, anything can happen when you play Boise State. Anything goes right. You're up eighteen with four and change left. Who cares? 
Uh, they threw out their, you know, they put in the white flag, so to speak. Then all of a sudden, the bench, who had nothing to play for, just goes on this explosion of a run and, and beats the Aggies in overtime. And the crazy thing is, is that Dennis, who was the catalyst in that run, Eric, over the last four games, since that night, he has scored a total in the last four games of 17 points. I mean, it's just weird. Like, you know, when it, when Boise State and Utah State play, whether it's at the Spectrum or whether it's at Extra Mile Arena, anything goes. Yeah, Justinian Jessup, he has passed. Uh, yeah, he's a great shooter. That uh, Jimmer guy down at BYU, he set a new Mountain West record it's a, it's for three-pointers made. Uh, Derek Alston has been playing really, really well. well. Yep. So it's a lot of different guys that uh, Utah State has to watch out for. Yeah, and uh, again, it's, it's going to come down to, you know, who can handle the emotions better? I asked Craig about that in the presser, and, and Coach Smith said simply, look, it's we don't have to worry about the emotions. It's all just being even kill and executing our plays. If we can execute and play for the full 40 minutes, which is their message really throughout the week is full, full, full 40 minutes, they're going to have a chance to win this ball game. Yeah, well, the uh, Wednesday, Utah State gave it a great uh, clinic on how to finish a game. Yeah. Absolutely. That second half was nuts, huh? Interestingly, they've been on opposite sides of the spectrum on how to finish a game this season. One bad way against Boise, and then on Wednesday, a perfect example of how to do it in the best way possible. Had a chance to talk to Sam just a little bit as well, and and Sam brought up something really interesting. He said, look, everyone's talking about kind of the hoopball and and all this and all that. We're just going to go play a basketball game. It's a game that we need to go in. And I said, ask about the environment. I sold out over 10,200 people are going to be there. Standing room only. We've, we've been in some pretty hostile environments as well already on the road. Luckily, this one's at home, so it should help us more than hurt us. Uh, Boise State is um, uh, is a team that has, like we've said, a couple different things going for them going into this game. They're on a bit of a winning streak. Some of them have been closer than, than normal, but uh, they are a team that's a little bit different from the team that beat Utah State. And I think Utah State is different from that game as well. Uh, I think the one of the biggest differences is that Keta has been staying on the court and he's been a difference maker. Yeah. And he'll need to continue to be. And and the veterans are going to have to play maybe some more heavy minutes tomorrow, by the way. I mean, it's he, we found that Coach Smith has relied on his veterans a lot in these kind of big time games. You think about San Diego State, you think about Fresno State at home, uh, in Nevada as well. He's played his veterans a lot and I think he'll do that tomorrow. Um, and he might even test the water with Barristow and Anderson. We'll, we'll see. Aj, we don't have time to get into our Friday Five Best, nope. which is unfortunate. Uh, our, we wanted to talk about the five best Aggie guards, and we'll try to do that maybe next week. Who's your number one? But I just want to say this: Sam Merrill. He's on the. He's on my. He's in my top five. Sure, as he should be. Chew on this. Merrill has either made or assisted forty-four percent of all Utah State field goals over the last three games. <laughs> <laughs> Say that one more time. I'm sorry. That's nearly half of every bucket made. Sam Merrill is a part of it, either at making it or assisting. 44% he has either made or assisted all Utah State field goals over you the last three games. you got to tweet that stat out. That's incredible. So, uh, stat you, that blew your mind Friday. Yeah. Uh, and a big key, I think, uh, tomorrow night will be Utah State's defense. Yeah. Can they hold Boise State? Can they frustrate what they want to do? Can Keta be disruptive in the middle? Can the guards be on point on the perimeter and not allow a really good Boise State three-point shooting team? Yep, and it's just for me, it's playing a full 40 minutes. Play a full 40 minutes, I think the Aggies win this one going away. Yeah, so reminder, a lot of stuff to set up for it on our sister station, KVNU, starting at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. 
Al Lewis, Jalen Moore will break it down, uh, reflect on the great memories of those teams. Can't wait. Those that will be recognized and honored this 50th anniversary of the Spectrum. And then the game will start at 8. And if you don't have your ticket to the game, you can still watch everything that happens with it on CBS Sports Network. And then as soon as it's done, Al Lewis will be back on there again. Aggie legend in his own right. And uh, he'll be on there breaking it down what happened, taking your phone calls and uh, opportunities for you to reflect on Wayne Estes, Liddell Anderson, the Spectrum, and what happened that night against Boise State. So we'll have it all on Cash Valley Daily later. Have a great weekend, everybody.